not going to read our text verses, verse 15 through 18. Uh, but I believe the Lord will have us read the entire psalm. And uh, if it strikes you just right, holler amen. Or say thank God. Look at verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it's pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen uh, Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleaseth, that did he in heaven and in earth and in the sea and all the deep places. He causeth the vapors. To ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. Who smote the firstborn of Egypt. Both of man and beast. Who sent tokens and wonders in the midst of the O Egypt. And Pharaoh and upon all his servants. Who smote great nations. And slew mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, gave their land for an heritage, an inheritance unto the Israelite people. Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he repent himself concerning his servants. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold. The work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. Ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless me the Lord out of Zion, which dwelleth at Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, as we bow in your presence, we want to do what's right this morning. We want to be in your will, God, and we want to say every word that you would have us to say and not a word extra. Lord, and so we pray this morning that you would receive glory from today's service. That's all I want. If you'll be glorified out of the service time, if you'll receive glory unto yourself from the preaching, Lord, then I'll be satisfied with what happens here today. So I just pray today, Lord, in Jesus' name, God, that you'd help us to give you glory. Lord, sitting before us is a congregation of people. Everyone in this congregation has a reason to praise you. Lord, they're breathing today. God, many of them saved and on their way to heaven. Lord, we're without excuse to praise you and honor you and glorify you. God, would you settle in this place this morning? Lord, would you manifest yourself and make yourself real? God, I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit, God, would do his work. 
We'll thank you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The 135th Psalm. It's like a lot of Psalms. It's an invitation to worship. And can I say to you this morning that worship should come naturally to those of us that are in the Lord's house. Worship should come as naturally as breathing. It's why we came. We didn't come to see or be seen. We came to glorify and honor the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the psalmist gives us reasons why we should honor him. We are told that we should honor him because he's good and because he's pleasant. How many of you could agree with me on this thought this morning? God is good. He is pleasant. But not only is he good and not only is he pleasant, but the psalmist said we should glorify God because he is powerful. He's a powerful God. He's my God. The psalmist here paints one of the greatest pictures one of the greatest pictures of God's power in creation. Look what he said. He is a creating God. Look at verse 2. The Bible said there in the 135th verse 2, Ye that stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of God, praise the Lord for He's good. Sing praise to His name for He's pleasant. Look at verse 4. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel's peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and in the sea and in all the deep places. So the psalmist said when God decided, he did. Whatever he pleased, he did. He goes on to say that he keeps the wind in his treasuries. Somebody said, what is the wind? Where does the wind come from? You ever thought about that? The wind blows. Where did that come? Where did the wind come from? Yesterday we was on that airplane. We get in that turbulence. Where did that come from? The pilot got on there and he said, some of this turbulence we'll be able to see and forecast, but some of it's unexpected. The wind just comes out of nowhere. Where does that come from? Science can't explain it. Science can't explain it. i tell you what it is. Somewhere, Brother Marvin, in a treasury, God's got some wind. Every now and again, he opens the box. You say, you believe that? I believe that. Absolutely I do. God is a powerful God. We serve a powerful God. And if he's that powerful, he's worthy of our praise at the Concord Baptist Church on a Sunday morning. The psalmist, he begins to draw a contrast. He said, there's some little G gods out there, Brother Neil, and they've got ears, but they can't hear. They said they got a mouth, but they can't speak. They said they got eyes, but they cannot see. And these are the little idolatrous gods. I believe that idolatry is the greatest sin in the Bible. I believe that. And I believe it's followed very closely by pride. And a lot of times idolatry and pride go together. But I believe idolatry is the greatest sin in the Bible. Because I'm going to tell you something, God will share his grace and God will share his, his, his goodness, but he's not going to share his glory with anybody. 
And man, how many of you will agree with me right here? Man has within himself a desire to worship something. And when he don't worship the God of heaven, he'll make a God up. And it's been done throughout the centuries. Man will take a little uh, a piece of gold or a piece of silver and form and fashion some little god and set it on the uh, set it on the counter, and, and they'll worship a god that they created with their own hands. And Paul, when he was when he was preaching to those uh, folks at Mars Hill, he said, "God doesn't dwell in a tabernacle built by man." In other words, friend, we don't build God. God builds us. We don't create God. God created us. But there's a lot of people on this planet still yet today worshiping idol gods. Now, you may not know anybody that has a little statue that they bow down to. You may. You may know somebody that rubs Buddha's belly or whatever the case may be. And I never have figured that out. You know, if I was going to design a god, he wouldn't have a big old pot belly. You know, I'd make him look, oh, where's my god? And he's going to die, but there he is. You probably don't know anybody that's got little trinkets set up and they, they bow down to them and, and pray to them and all that. But we know a lot of people that idolize a lot of things. I believe there's a lot of people in the United States of America that have made ball and ball players and ball teams and uh, movie actors and all kinds. They've made them people their idols. They just as well as to bow down and pray to them at night. Uh, it's, it's all they think, whether it's a, a, a singing artist or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of different people got a lot of different idols. But you know what God said? God said none of them can hear, none of them can smell, none of them can taste, none of them can see. But how many of you are glad this morning that we've got a God that can do all those things? Now the deists believe that God just don't care. He can see, but he don't care. If things are going good, that's okay with God. If things are going bad, they kind of believe like the old grandfather clock that one day God reached over and pushed the pendulum and got it to swinging and got it to going, but then he's just been hands off ever since. But I'm going to tell you that the Bible teaches us that God is not only a God that sees and hears, but he's a God that's involved. Amen. So for a few weeks, I'm going to be in this psalm probably. And I'm going to preach on a God who feels. Now that's strange. We feel. We have feelings. We see here we were created in His image, taste and smell. But would you believe that God also sees, hears, tastes? He, he tastes. Smells. Oh, yeah. He is a God that perceives. He is a God. I'm glad the Bible said that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted as we are. I'm glad to report to you that we got a God that sees and hears and tastes and smells and perceives and has an interest in everybody in this building. We launched off. Get, hey, get ready for some airplane messages. And some tree messages and some ocean messages. I got some, I, I got them storehoused up. 
we took off on that big jet liner. And I've changed my mind about flying. Y'all know I said, I don't know to fly, I ain't going to fly. But I've decided that is the way to travel. I, I'm telling you, just sit back and fly. And so I even got me a, one of them Chase airline miles cards that I've been swapping it on everything. I want to bank me up some airline miles. Let me tell them where I'm going. I got on that big old airplane. And it took off. Uh, I got Life 360 on my phone. Anybody else got that? Know what I'm talking about? Life 360, and it, it tracks you. It tracks all my youngins. I love it. That way I can just look at it and say, hey, here's where Trey's at, and here's how fast he's going. And, and it tells you if you've had a sudden acceleration or a sudden braking. Well, I know you're supposed to put it on airplane mode when you get on the airplane, but I forgot to put it on airplane mode. And so yesterday I'm looking at our, our day, and, I, and it's got all these alerts. Bradley had a sudden acceleration. Bradley had a speed in excess of 100 miles an hour. <laughs> when did I go that fast? It's clocking my, I got to show you a map. It was at Denver Airport on the, on the airstrip. That, my phone's going crazy. I go, whoa, sudden acceleration. Up about 160 miles an hour. What are you doing? We took off, got up above them clouds, leveled off, and I got to looking around and thinking, and I got a lot of thoughts. I was telling this morning in the prayer room, I thought a lot about the rapture. I thought a lot about it. And I got to thinking about getting above the clouds, getting above the smoke. I got messages, I'm going to preach on all that. But I'll tell you what I really got to think about, Brother Neil, I was looking down there at that earth, and it was getting smaller and smaller, and them cars disappeared, them people disappeared. And you can look out and there's crops and there's roads. And I'm thinking about a God. How, I got the, here's how my mind works. I thought, reckon this is what God sees when he looks out of heaven. Looks down on the land. And I'm thinking about, reckon what God sees. We's flying along. And uh, I'd say, look yonder, there's a big lake. I'd say, look yonder, there's a, look at all these crops. I was amazed at how many people plant their crops in a circle. I never thought about that. They had a lot of circular fields. I said, look at all that. I said, look at that big old river. Here comes an interstate. One time I heard, and another airplane flew under us. Whoa, that seemed a little close. Somebody call up there and tell the pilot. I might need to get up there and help him. That was a little, a little close. You see all those things from way up yonder. I think about reckon what God sees. Reckon what He's looking at. That's striking me just right. Well, I got thinking about a God that can see. You see, they make these little old trinket gods, and they got eyes, but they can't see nothing. That's why people like them. People like to have a God that can't see what they're doing, <laughs> or that they put something over him or turn him around when they're going to mess up. But you know what the Bible tells me in the book of Proverbs? The eyes of the Lord search to and fro, beholding the good and the evil. And so God's a-looking. God's a-seeing. I wonder what he sees. Well, I started thinking about that a little bit, praying about it. And I can honestly say that this message I'm preaching came from heaven. 
because I was at 36,000 feet when I outlined this, setting my tray table out. First of all, I began to think about how he sees our situation. Did you know when God sees this earth, I believe he sees a creation, something he created, but it's been ruined by sin. It's been ruined. Uh, You don't realize how good we've got it right here in western North Carolina. And I mean, we saw a lot of pretty places on our vacation and we had a good time. But but for the most part, the, the whole western end of this country is godless. There's no God, there's no churches, nothing, nothing like what we've got here. And boy, I saw out there all the homelessness. You'd be riding down the road and there'd just be people that run out in the road and talking to people that wasn't there and pitching a fit. It was an education for my kids. They were like, you know what that is? We could blame it on politics or we could blame it on this, but really what that is, it's one word, S-I-N. And it's ruined God's creation. When he made it, everything he made, he looked and he said, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. But sin came in and it ruined and destroyed God's creation. And don't you know it breaks God's heart when he looks at this world and sees what man has done with his beautiful creation. Sin. He sees our situation. Now, over the years, that's kind of got us to the place where we all want to say, like the psalmist, he said, Why do the heathen rage? Why is it that the vain get away with a vain thing? In other words, sometimes we look at what's going on and it seems like the devil's team's winning and God's team's losing. Why is God allowing this to go on? Brother Neil been preaching or teaching, maybe been preaching, I don't know. Been teaching over there in the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, there's a man by the name of Methuselah. Y'all know him. Oldest man in the Bible, right? You know what Methuselah's name means? Methuselah's name means when he's dead, it will come. And the day that Methuselah died, the flood came. Now let me show you something about the long-sufferingness of God. When Enoch prophetically named Methuselah, when he's dead, it will come. God allowed him to live the longest life of anybody that's ever lived on the planet. That's how long-suffering God is because God knew when he died, the flood was coming. And so God kept Methuselah alive all them hundreds of years to give man an opportunity and to give man a chance to do different. Sometimes when you and I see the sin of this world, everywhere we were in California, gay flags are flying. On every corner is a marijuana dispensary. Can you imagine? It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. We went into, in the middle of the National Forest, we went into a little old souvenir place and bought some souvenirs. And there was another uh, store next to it that had some things in it. And as we're walking up there, it said dispensary on the side. I said, reckon what they're dispensing. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe they're making fudge. I don't know. They're making this, they're dispensing of something. Just before we went in, I said, uh-oh, I bet this is a, a liquor. Sells liquor. Well, I was wrong. It wasn't no liquor selling joint. It was a marijuana selling joint. <laughs> Joints, literally. <laughs> 
marijuana dispensary. They're standing in line like Cheek and Chong, you know, and smoke uh, rolling out, Doritos for sale outside, you know. Guys with Doritos, $10 a bag. Crazy. I'm like, I can't believe this. Little old town we stayed in, every street, every corner's got a marijuana dispensary. I counted five in that one little town where they're dealing dope legally. Marijuana dispensaries. And it makes you want to say, God, how long can we go on like this? Now, just be honest, you've thought about that. I've thought it. I've looked at it, and I've thought, bless goodness, if I was the Lord, I'd kill every one of them. I'd wipe them all off the face of the earth. But aren't you glad uh, this morning that we've got a God? He does see uh, the ruination of mankind, uh, but he's also long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, uh, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, I'm glad to report to you we've got a loving, long-suffering God. He sees his creation ruined. I got to thinking about this. He sees Christians, his children, and they're engaged in hatred and bitterness, apathy toward the things of God. He sees that. You know, God, the Lord emphasized two commands. He said, you ought to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. The other one, he said, you ought to love your neighbor like yourself. That's two. Over 300 commands in the Old Testament, the Lord Jesus emphasized two. Think about Paul's ministry. Paul's ministry was spent telling people to get along, love one another, let brotherly love continue. Preferring one another, forgiving one another, even as Christ Jesus forgave you. Again and again. You think about John's ministry. John again and again spent his ministry, Brother Neil, saying, love one another. Hey, get along together. And don't you know when God looks down on his creation and he sees his children fussing and fighting and not getting along, don't you know that breaks his We're coming back up out of California on Friday. We stopped at a little Indian reservation and I stopped there to ask some directions, but the kids decided they wanted something to eat. Trey come out with a Snickers ice cream. When Reagan saw it, she said, oh, I need a Snickers ice cream. So, oh, go in there and get you one. So we went in, I picked up a couple of things. She came over to me and she said, this shows you what a jerk Trey is. He bought the last Snickers ice cream. But he didn't say anything to me about it. She said, I guess I'll just get Twix. I said, okay. So we brought it. We got out in the car. We sat down. Reagan looked over at Trey and said, you are a jerk. (laughs) Trey said, what did I do? You got the last Snickers ice cream. He said, it most certainly was not the last Snickers ice cream. She said, oh, yeah, it was. I looked in the box. The box was empty. He said, you looked in the wrong cooler. There was another cooler in the back. Well, what ensued was a fight. And here's what happened. About two or three volleys into this sibling war, 
mama bear come out and she looked around and she said, you shut up! <laughs> she said, you're not ruining my last day of vacation. <laughs> and that, you know what they did? They went. <laughs> and we rolled in silence. <laughs> Don't you know that sometimes God looks down at us and wants to go, y'all shut up. Get along, act like somebody. You're ruining it. You're ruining it. All he expects for us to do is just get along. Now, over there in the Laodicean church, here's what he said. He said in the Laodicean church, the sin that's going to mark it, Billy, is that they're not going to be hot or cold. They're going to be lukewarm. So not only is their love toward mankind failed, but their love toward me has failed. He said that last day, church, they're, they're just going to kind of be phoning it in, just kind of getting along to get along, kind of get by as best they can. And their love for me is going to be waxed cold. Don't you know when he sees us sitting in a church on Sunday morning and he thinks, all I've done is saved that bunch from hell. All I've done is give them a great life with a great family. All I've done is made sure they had health enough this week to walk in that back door and breathe the air I gave them. And they can't even run their hand up and say, thank you, Lord. They can't even look toward heaven and say, God, you're good. God, you're great. He sees. I wonder if he cries. I wonder if it breaks his heart. Think about it. And then occasionally he sees a few of his chosen with their hands run up toward praising God. Yesterday, when we landed there in Charlotte, I said, thank you, Lord. Safe trip. On the ground. Hallelujah. Every now and again, you ought to just let yourself go. Just run your little hand up and go, Lord, you've been better to me than I deserve. And I may not be feeling no goosebumps, and I may not be feeling no uh, Holy Ghost jiggly jumps or whatever it is. But I can tell you right now, Lord, I've been good, and you've, you've treated me better than I deserve. I know that. And I ought to be dead and in hell, but I ain't dead and in hell, and I'm saved on my way to heaven. And that in itself is enough for me to rub my little hands up and for you to see me praising you. He's watching. He's watching. He sees her situation. I've got to hurry. He sees her suffering. These are sufferings. He sees it. Exodus 3, 9. The Lord said, I've seen their afflictions. I'm watching. You know the biggest lie the devil tells you when you're going through a hard place is that God don't care and that you're all alone. The, Lord, the, the devil loves to get people out on islands where they feel like nobody cares and they're all by themselves 
and there's nobody interested. But I'm going to tell you something, regardless of what it is you're facing, the Lord not only sees you, but what He wants to do is He wants to develop you and help you to have a better relationship with Him while you're facing it. I don't know what it is that you might be going through. I don't know what it is that you might be facing this morning, but I do know this. There's a God in heaven who sees and understands and knows what we're... Amen. That ought to be enough for everybody in here to shout the victory today, to know that we've got a God that sees what we're going through. He's not blind that he can't see. We've got a God that sees. Sees our sufferings. Sees our sufferings. I don't want want to spend much time there. Let me say this. I'm going to be done. What's God see? You know what he's really looking for? That's going to be strange. What fixes say is real strange. When God looks at his earth, you know what he's really looking for? He's looking for himself. What do you mean, preacher? Well, He's looking for his reflection. That's right here. He's going to preach. In the tabernacle over there in Exodus, when God set up the tabernacle, he laid it out, the book of Leviticus, he laid out the tabernacle as a pattern house, a place where God could temporarily dwell. Then when he sent Jesus to this earth, he laid Jesus out as the perfect house. But you know what God has chosen for his permanent house? We're his permanent house. And you know when God looks at this earth, what he wants you? You know what God looks at this earth, you know what he wants to see? He wants to see his reflection. He wants to see his people acting like him and living like him and trying to serve him. When he looks at this earth, he wants to see himself. That's all God's looking for is a reflection of himself. You know, what, you know what the church is likened to? The church is likened unto the moon. The moon, we all know and understand, has no light in it itself, but it reflects the light of the sun. And during the darkest of nights, the moon shines the brightest and reflects the sun and it shines during the night. That's exactly what God expects out of Concord Baptist Church. Yancey County is a dark night. This whole world is a dark night. But there is a sun shining. But the world can't see it. So it's up to us as the church to reflect the sun. We're the only God that people are going to see. Our lives are the only Bible that people are going to read. Our job is to fully reflect the sun. That's what he's looking for when he looks at this earth. I'm going to say something to you. Listen to me right here. Our job is not to reflect our community. We, uh, We get caught in this trap of we ought to try to look like everybody else, do like everybody else. The church's job is not to look like everybody. The church hadn't ought to look like everywhere else. We ought to be different. We're called out. We ought to be different. We are not called to reflect our community. We are certainly not called to reflect carnality. What do you mean, preacher? Well, we ought to hold a standard. Amen. I believe in holding a standard. A few weeks ago when I went and preached in that youth camp, the the guy called, he's a great, a great youth pastor, a great guy. I'm not in any way disparaging him. He's a close friend of mine, and he's doing a great work. 
But he said to me, he said, you can dress down if you want to. Wear a polo. I'm preaching a polo. I said, I don't preach in polos. I might take my jacket off. But I'm, really, I'm out of my element taking my jacket off. I preach in a, in a tie and a shirt. That's how I preach. I preach in a tie and a shirt. Number one, because I think it shows respect. Number two, because Billy Mitchell will kill me. So I wear my tie and my shirt. Because I don't feel like getting murdered in my sleep, you know. The last thing I hear is Billy Mitchell saying, I told you to wear it. So I wear my tie and my shirt. Somebody said, that's silly. Put you on a polo and preach. It's a certain standard, see. I don't want to ever reflect carnality. And I believe, I believe the preacher, Brother Gary, ought to hold the standard up here like this. Because people are going to live like this. And if the preacher puts the standard down here, people will live down here. If you put it up here, they may not get to the standard you hold, but they'll be under it somewhere, see. And so we should never reflect our community. We should never reflect carnality. But instead, we should be a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody said, how can we do that? Read that Bible. Find out what he's like. Get close to him. If God is love, say, boy, I'm going to be loving. If God is forgiving, say, boy, I'm going to forgive everybody. Hey, if God is these things, then make up your mind that's what you're going to be. Reflect him as best you can. What if we all just lived like Jesus? We didn't let our tempers get away from us. We were quick to forgive. We just loved on people. Oh, boy. Just that, just me mentioning that is upsetting some of y'all. I said the other day, I said, listen, when you, somehow, somehow you got to walk a line. But let me tell you the line I want to walk. I want to find out where Jesus is walking and walk that line. Amen. Amen. Jesus and Peter's walking down the, down the beach. And they look around and Peter says, what shall he do? John. Did you ever catch that in that conversation? Jesus and Peter wandered off from the fire to have that Peter, do you love me conversation. And when they turned around, guess where John was? Walking right behind Jesus. Peter said, what are you going to do with him? That's the way I want to be. Where's the Lord? Be getting his footsteps. Now, if you get in his footsteps and you walk, well, you walk right, just right, there'll be some of that crowd say, I stinking liberal, loving everybody, and forgiving everybody, stinking liberal. And then there'll be others that'll say, oh, he's a Pharisee, trying to be all holy and Live better than us. You'll hear it from both sides when you walk in Jesus' footsteps. You know why? Because he heard it from both sides. It's not a way to be popular. I'm not preaching on how to be popular. I'm preaching on how to walk in his footsteps. And the longer I get, the longer I live, Brother Neil, the more I'm interested in just getting in his footsteps. He's seeing us today. What's he see out of your life? I'm not, I'm not done to give an altar call. What's he see out of your life? You're watching. 
What is he seeing? What's he seeing? What's he seeing? Every now and again, I bring the GIS up and be looking at a piece of property or something. It's always entertaining to me to bring up my house and try to figure out which vehicles are sitting in the parking, you know, and, and looking at. And I'm always thinking, you know, at that time, boy, I'm glad I wasn't running outside in my underwear or something and get my picture took on. There it is on the county's website. That'd be embarrassing. God sees it all. And he don't just see us running around like a bunch of little ants, but he sees what we're thinking and what we're feeling. He sees when we're shaking that hand and saying, God bless you, I love you, and inside I'm thinking, eat dirt and die. <laughs> he sees it. He sees it. What does he see out of your life? See, here's the bottom line. We have an altar call. What I think don't matter. What you think, what does he think? What's he see? What does he understand about you? That's what everybody in this building, that ought, to bring, that ought to bring a fear to our heart we think about. What does God think about me right now? About where I'm living, where I'm walking, what I'm doing. God help. I'm going to give an altar call. All I'm asking anybody in here to do what I'm going to ask you to do is not to think about the person down the pew from you or in the pew in front of you or in the pew behind you. I want you to think about you. When God looks at your life, what does he see? And I want you to ask this one question. If God is looking at your life this week and watching you, is he smiling? Was he saying, boy, there's my reflection. Boy, they're doing a good job. Or as you think back through this past week, are there areas in your life where you say, you know what? That needs work. There was a lot of areas in my life this week that did not reflect him and did not, I didn't live like I should. There's areas in my life that need improvement. If so, a good place to do it is around this altar. Say, Lord, when you look at me, I want you to see yourself. I want to be walking in your footsteps. Let's stand our feet, Father. Lord, thank you. God, you're a great God.